Don't wear a cloth mask. Cloth masks are little more than facial decorations. There's no place for them in light of Omicron. Before big tech cancels me and censors this episode, just know that I am merely quoting the experts. In this case, the former head of Planned Parenthood and current medical analyst for CNN, Leanna Wu. We should be keeping the events that are that are safe and uh, and also the events that have fun for people too. We can't be canceling everything, especially if we're going to be living with COVID for the foreseeable future. I would say that if you choose to go, make sure that you're vaccinated and boosted. Make sure that you're wearing a um, a mask, even though it's outdoors. If there are lots of people packed around you wearing a three-ply surgical mask, don't wear a cloth mask. Cloth masks are little more than facial decorations. There's no place for them in light of Omicron. And so wear a high-quality mask, at least a three-ply surgical mask. And if you're going to be visiting elderly relatives or immunocompromised people after, wait three days, get tested, and then see those vulnerable people. There is very little that one of our nation's foremost abortionists and I have in common, but we agree here. The masks are extremely dumb. Always were. They are, as I've said from the beginning, political symbols much more than medical devices. And if you want to cancel me for saying that, You've got to cancel CNN too, which might not be such a bad idea. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Kevin Tevins, who says, when people greet me with happy holidays, I reply, happy Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord and Savior's birthday. After that, they are usually okay with Merry Christmas. This is very smart because you're, you're kind of arguing past the sale, right? This is good negotiation tactics. You go all the way in one direction, then you can meet in the middle at Merry Christmas. But I don't want any Advent erasure here, okay? It is not Christmas yet, baby. Enjoy Advent. There's a war on Advent. There's a war on Christmas, but there's a war on Advent too, all right? And around this time when people are buying presents, a lot of bad fellas are trying to steal your identity, which is why you got to check out LifeLock. The season of giving is also a season of taking for cybercriminals looking to cash in. Some tips to help you stay safe while shopping online include only visiting secure sites and apps from retailers you trust, using a VPN instead of public Wi-Fi, creating strong passwords, and checking your bank and credit accounts for fraud. Every day, we put our information at risk on the internet. In an instant, a cyber criminal could steal what's yours, sometimes even harm your finances, your credit, your reputation. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, such as your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect that your information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert. You have access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year by going to LifeLock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That's LifeLock.com slash Knowles for 25% off. I don't know what it is around about this time of year. You might hear my voice is a little raspy right now. I hope it's not the Ami. I hope it's not the Omicron. Might might have something to do with the many cigars I've had at various Christmas parties that have been going on. It might be something about the cold weather. I, I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sounding like a soul singer or something today. Uh, even if it were the Ami, though, or any other kind of illness that, that uh, are going around, uh, around the wintertime, we are being told by the fear mongers that we ha- 
have a health crisis going on right now, that the hospitals are going to be overrun. No one's going to be able to get any medicine. There's going to be severe illness and death everywhere. So uh, ahead of a major hospital group, Northwell Health, CEO of that just went on CNN to discuss the major crisis, the overflowing of the hospitals. And he said, actually, it's, it's just fine. What is the current situation in your hospitals? Yeah, we're doing very, very well, uh, very manageable. There's no crisis. Um, so let me just give you a little bit of perspective. Uh, we have right now about 460 patients in our hospitals. That's less than 10% of our overall capacity. And this time last year, during the second wave, uh, we had almost a thousand cases this time last year. And compared to where we were back in the first wave, we had 3,500 patients in our hospitals. So when you look at the numbers today, they're relatively modest. And that have been increasing, you know, relatively slowly since, since Thanksgiving. We do expect an increase now over the holidays, but it is all manageable. Um, we will be able to deal with this. And I think it's time for people to get, be a little bit calm, uh, you know, a little bit more rational. And uh, while the positivity rate in the community is increasing dramatically, that does not mean that they automatically convert into hospitalizations. Very important observation. And you hear most of the media and all the fear mongers uh, try to neglect this. Yes, there are many new cases of COVID and the Omicron. That does not constitute a crisis. Actually, the number of new cases doesn't really matter at all. Who cares about cases? If, if the symptoms of the Omicron are a mild cold, then who cares? Who cares if, if it's the most transmissible virus in the whole world? The only number that we really care about are the hospitalization and death numbers. But, but those aren't really spiking. You've got the CEO of this major hospital group saying, no, it's fine. Calm down, everybody. It'll be, yeah, the number, the case numbers will go up. Maybe a, there'll be a little bit of a bump in the hospitalizations after Christmas and New Year, but it's just, it's not a big deal. Move on with your lives, folks. They, they do this. This is what the libs have done from the beginning of COVID. They just keep moving the goalposts. So it was we need to flatten the curve. Then it was we need to slow the spread. Then it was we need to find a cure. Then it was we need to distribute the vaccine. Then it was we need to stop the surge. Then we, right, and it's just, they keep, they, and then we need to get everyone boosted. And they just keep moving all of the, the metrics by which we could have success and go back to our normal lives. They're, they're doing that here to, well, the cases are spiking. Who cares? You go to New York, line around the block, uh, on, on almost every corner, any, any corner where there's a pharmacy or a, a testing center, because everyone's getting tested to see if they have Omicron. But none of them have any sort of severe symptoms. They just, they have a little sniffle. They say, oh my gosh, I hope I don't have the Omicron. Why? Who cares? Who cares? If it's not, <laughs> if it's not going to be serious, if it's, a, if it's effectively a mild cold, then that is not a crisis. Now, Biden is very upset that people are not freaking out. So Biden has gone out, he's given his COVID message, his Christmas COVID message, and he is calling on the purveyors of misinformation to cut it out. Those choices have been fueled by dangerous misinformation on cable TV and social media. You know, these companies and personalities are making money 
by peddling lies and allowing misinformation that can kill their own customers and their own supporters. It's wrong. It's immoral. I call on the purveyors of these lies and misinformation to stop it. Stop it now. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, You first, Joe, (laughs) because the chief purveyors of lies and misinformation about COVID and, and a lot of other things too, would seem to be the liberal ruling class that from the very beginning of the epidemic have moved the goalposts and shifted and, and openly deceived us. Going right back to Fauci saying, don't wear the masks, the masks don't work. Then he said, actually, I think the masks do work. I just didn't want you peasants all to buy them because I wanted to save them for my friends in public health. Two, the vaccines are completely safe and completely effective, and there's no question as to the safety or, or the efficacy to, well, actually, you need a booster. Actually, you might need multiple boosters. And yeah, actually, we're going to pause some of the vaccines because uh, they're causing some side effects. And uh, yeah, they, they don't have any credibility right now. And this, this is why Joe Biden is so upset. This is why we're getting angry, Joe. Cut it out. Cut it, come on. Come on, corn pop. Cut it out. The, the reason we're getting angry, Joe, is because people no longer believe his misinformation and they no longer believe his misinformation because it's been proven false and deceptive too many times. To quote George W. Bush, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, hey, hey, the point is you're not going to fool me again. And that, that's what we're seeing right now with, with COVID. They have gotten things wrong. They have lied to us and they have insulted us t- too many to Fauci, Biden, the public health apparatus, they've done it just one too many times. And so people don't buy it anymore and they're not heeding the warnings and they're not going to cancel Christmas and they're just going to go about their lives. And the, these petty little tyrants who are holding on to power are, are really upset about that. Fauci has one, one last, one last plea saying, please, please, please. If you have any filthy, dirty, rotten, unvaxxed family members, please don't invite them over for Christmas. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I, I would do that. I mean, I think we're dealing with a, a serious enough situation right now that if there's an unvaccinated person, I would say, I'm very sorry, but not this time, maybe another time when this is all over. Maybe, look, maybe you can have your disgusting unvaxxed relatives come in, in a couple of years. In a couple of, in maybe five or six years for Christmas, they can come but you should not see them before that. He's, he doesn't have any credibility on the risk here from seeing your unvaxxed family member, even if you have the vaccine, which is supposed to be so super duper effective that if you ever come into contact with someone who doesn't have the vaccine, then you're going to get the virus and you're at, at risk of, of hospitalization or death. It doesn't add up. It's not a really coherent argument, but even beyond that, even if Fauci were right, I guess this is the part that's driving me crazy. I don't think they're making coherent scientific arguments or medical arguments, and they keep changing their story about the vaccine and the transmissibility and the real threat from COVID. But let's just say they were right about all of that. Let's say you actually were at risk from seeing your family members who either have the vaccine or don't or wear the masks or don't. Still, still, it would be better to see your family. It is better to incur some risk and see your family than lock yourself up in some hermetically sealed bubble for the rest of your life. When you want to hear really controversial takes like like that one, 
I would recommend you check out The Jordan Harbinger Show. You have got to check out The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is a podcast you really ought to be listening to. Recently, Jordan had on Oliver North and the woke mob really came after him for it. I would highly recommend you check it out. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Each episode is a conversation with a different, fascinating guest. And when I say there's something for everyone here, I really mean it. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you. Sounds a little bit creepy, frankly, but very, very useful. Uh, Lots of science. Also some pretty crazy stories from spies and mafia enforcers, art forgers. This guy's got everything. If that is not worth checking out, I do not know what is. We really enjoy the show. We think you will as well. There's so much there. Go check it out. JordanHarbinger.com slash start. Head on over for some episode recommendations or search The Jordan Harbinger Show. H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R as in really. Go check it out right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We used to understand that nothing is risk-free in this world. That we're always, you know, you could walk outside right now and get hit by a bus. Hope it doesn't happen, but you could. You could, we go, we take risks all the time, but we think that life is about more than just, you know, staying perfectly healthy all the time and and never having any risk whatsoever. And then somehow with this mild cold... (laughs) (laughs) or the equivalent of a mild cold when we're talking about the Omicron and even the more virulent forms of the virus, we've, we've thrown all of that wisdom out the window. But it seems to me that your family and your friends and the holidays and the, the great feasts of the year matter. They're important. We need, we can't just get rid of all of them. We can't just completely wipe out our calendar and say goodbye to our friends and maybe we zoom them or FaceTime them for a little bit, but then we just go right back into our, our pods. That's not a good way to live. You, you might decrease your risk of getting the mild cold. If you do that, you will. I'm not even denying that you'll decrease the risk, but it's not worth it. It's not worth it, folks. It is not worth giving up your political rights and your way of life and your friends and your family and your traditions and freaking Christmas so that you don't get a cold. It's not, that's not a good trade. Dummies, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. You get it. You're, if, if you're listening to this show right now, you probably get it. But a lot of people out there don't. I have friends and I have family who say, well, you know, God, maybe next year. I'm just really, what are you, ta- you're like quintuple vaxxed. You've got 50 masks on and it's a cold. Yeah, maybe though, I don't know. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Th- what do you think is going to happen next year? You think they're going to let this go next year? No, no way. <laughs> they're just going to keep doing this, folks, until we ignore it. There's, yes, the, the public health establishment has lied on the science, and we can talk about the science all day and say, actually, you know, the vaccines aren't quite as effective as they told us they were, and actually they're a little less safe than maybe they told us they were, and yeah, the masks don't really do as much as they told us they do, and actually the virus is not quite as dangerous as they suggested it was, and we can argue over the science all the time, but what about the philosophy? <laughs> what about the bigger picture, which is that uh, we're going to be here on this earth, for a relatively short period of time, we, we should live our lives, we should have our friends, we should have our holidays, 
and we don't need to be shaking in fear of, of death and sniffles and sneezes for uh, the whole time that we're here. Joe Biden knows that the vaccine mandates are not popular. He knows that they're not popular. He doesn't care. Customers are more likely to come in and shop because they know it's a safe environment. I know vaccination requirements are unpopular for many. They're not even popular for those who are anxious to get them. My administration has put them in place not to control your life, but to save your life and the lives of others. To save your life from, from the cold. From what, what apparently is similar to a cold. I don't know, what am I allowed to say? I, I quoted the CNN medical analyst, so I don't want to be canceled for spreading misinformation. She happens to have said the thing that I've said many times and been censored for. So I just, but I just want to be clear. I, I've got CNN analysts who are backing up what I'm saying. And I've got the CDC saying that the symptoms are the symptoms of a mild cold, but he's going to save our lives. Okay. Okay, Joe. What Joe is saying here about the vax mandates and popularity is a much bigger political point. He's saying, look, I told you that I wasn't going to do these vax mandates. I told you I probably didn't have the constitutional authority to do these vax mandates. You, you people don't actually want the vax mandates. I'm acknowledging they're not popular, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to do it anyway because I don't think that our government really rests on popularity anymore. I don't think I really need to persuade people anymore. I think that I can just do whatever I want and we've got a kind of oligarchic ruling class and you can't say boo about it. Even if you hate what I'm doing and even if our approval rating is in the, in the gutter, it won't matter because, because you, you don't have as much political power as you used to. That's what he's saying. He's saying our government is no longer a popular government. And so he's going to do whatever he wants. Now, on the flip side of that, you've got Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is the Democrat senator from West Virginia who, along with the Republicans, stopped Joe Biden's legislative agenda, the Build Back Better, Republicans are calling it the Build Back Broke agenda. Joe Manchin came out, he stood firm despite the White House putting a ton of pressure on him, despite all the Democrats putting a ton of pressure on him. Joe Manchin said, no, I'm not going to be bullied. I'm not blaming anybody. I knew where they were and I knew what they could and could not do. They just never realized it because they figure, surely to God we can move one person. Surely we can badger and beat one person up. Surely we can get enough protesters to make that person uncomfortable enough. They'll just say, okay, I'll vote for anything. Just quit. Well, guess what? I'm from West Virginia. I'm not from where they're from. And they can just beat the living crap out of people and think they'll be submissive. Period. Period. I'm from West Virginia and you're not doing that to me, says Joe Manchin. There's a personal aspect to, to Joe Manchin not going along with this legislative agenda, which is he thought the, the bill was spending way too much money on a bunch of crazy programs. He didn't think his constituents would want him to vote for the bill. And uh, also the White House was badgering him and attacking him and pu- putting out op-eds against him in West Virginia and uh, sending protesters over to him. And he didn't like that. Right. And he said, no, you don't get to do that to me. I'm not going to give this to you. So the White House overplayed their hand. 
the White House overplayed their hand here because the White House doesn't think that they're accountable to the voters. I know that Joe Biden is the most popular president ever in the history of the world, and he got seven gazillion votes in 2020, because I was told that from CNN, so I believe that. Uh, But they overplayed their hand here, because while Joe Manchin may have been elected by the people, and while he might think that he needs to take his constituents seriously, Biden doesn't think popularity really matters anymore. Manchin's making a different bet. So in the, in the showdown between Joe Manchin and Joe Biden, you're seeing two different theories on how our government currently works. Biden is saying the will of the people doesn't really matter anymore. Manchin says the will of the people does still matter. Biden thinks that you can just do whatever you want and there's no limits on what the politicians can do because the people can't say jack diddly about it. And Manchin thinks that actually the people still have a say in their government and they'll vote him out of office if, if he doesn't uh, work within certain confines and popularity. I hope Manchin's right. I don't know. The jury's still out. I think 2022 and 2024 are going to clarify that question quite a lot. Are we living in some version of a democracy or are we living in some version of an oligarchy? Which is it? Right now we've got kind elements of both. So which is, which one are we, are we really, are, are we really living under as a regime? And in which direction are we going in? For right now, I, you know, there's so much negative news out there in our, in our political news cycle, but th- this is good. The fact that one senator actually can still stand up and the president can't do much about it, that is good news. Speaking of leftists standing up, in the spirit of giving and Christmas, I've got to give some plaudits to Bernie Sanders. Yes, I have nice things to say about Bernie Sanders, based Bernie Sanders, who is going after the woke anti-worker Kellogg Corporation. Bernie standing up and saying, we are going to stick up for American workers and go after those fat cat woke corporations. If you love America, you love the workers. And if you love American workers, you don't ship their jobs to desperate people in Mexico and pay them 90 cents an hour. And let me say to Kellogg's, you don't treat people who gave their lives to your company by threatening them with permanent replacements. There's one word that defines what the trade union movement is about. It's solidarity, isn't it? That's the word. And that's what you're showing. Now, Bernie uh, tweeted out when he posted this video, he tweeted out, my message to Kellogg's is this, sorry, I'll try this again. My message to Kellogg's is this. No, it's not, it's not as good as my Fauci. It's similar accent, both from Brooklyn. My message to Kellogg's is this. You don't treat people whose families gave their lives to your company as disposable. You don't threaten to send their jobs to Mexico. You treat them with dignity and the respect that they deserve. And this from Bernie Sanders is extremely conservative. That's right. Now, when you want to save a little bit of money, for instance, at the gas pump, I would strongly recommend you check out Get Upside. I have got a magnificent early Christmas present for you. Get Upside. My listeners right now are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now 
Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Do not pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. There's no catch, only cash. Cash back gets added right to your bank account, or you can have it sent to PayPal or an e-gift card such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is code Knowles. Also, last night, the Daily Wire premiered a very special episode of Candace and her face-to-face interview with former President Donald Trump, one of the most censored men in the world. Here is Candace in the interview. Today, I'm going to sit down with him, and I'm going to give him a fair but a tough interview with critiques that have come from his own side. I voted for President Trump, make no mistake, but there are tons of questions that need answering, and I hope that I'm able to deliver that to you all today. Welcome to Candace. The interview is streaming exclusively to members at dailywire.com. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join today. Start watching. If you want to show your support, head on over to yeswecandice.com. That's right, yeswecandice.com to pick up some terrific Candace merch. Also, Ben's got a new show out. It's called The Search. It's terrific. If you haven't watched it yet, you're missing out. He sat down with his friend Jordan Peterson. Uh, They're hanging out at a coffee shop. Great watch. Uh, those episodes are exclusive to The Daily Wire, so head to dailywire.com slash subscribe today. And we are closing in on our goal of 1 million signatures on our Do Not Comply petition. We need your help to take us to the finish line. The Sixth Circuit lifted the stay on the mandate, so The Daily Wire is making a direct p- appeal to the Supreme Court. Uh, reaching 1 million signatures will provide a major boost to our legal challenge. Please sign up, uh, sign the petition at dailywire.com slash do not comply, then share our petition with all your friends and family. We'll be right back with a lot more. Bernie Sanders is upset that Kellogg's, woke Kellogg's, is shipping jobs overseas and undercutting American workers' wages by paying people less than a dollar an hour in the third world. And he says, this is a bad idea. If you love America, you got to love American workers. If you love American workers, you've got to treat them with respect and dignity. I think this is extremely conservative. It's weird. This happens sometimes in American politics where the left-right divide just doesn't describe what's going on here. Bernie Sanders is a leftist. He's one of the most leftist members of the Senate, one of the most leftist national politicians. And yet what he is saying is the sort of thing that I, a conservative, quite a conservative person, could agree on. And it's something that, for instance, the Chamber of Commerce or even some arch libertarian on the right would disagree with. And it's something that some establishmentarian corporate Democrat would disagree with too. So it's not exactly a left versus right thing here. I think there could be an alliance between some conservatives and some Bernie Sanders-like leftists on the American worker. Something I always gave Bernie credit for is that Bernie has generally been anti-immigration in his career because Bernie is an old school socialist 
and old school socialists don't really like immigration because it undercuts workers' wages. So this is great. If you wanted to support the American worker, there are ways that you could do it really quickly, really easily. You shut down that border, you drastically reduce not just illegal, but legal immigration as well, and wages would go up. That started to happen at the beginning of the Trump administration. Real wages went up for the first time in a very, very long time. And then, unfortunately, the illegal aliens realized that there weren't going to be serious enforcement mechanisms at the border, and so they started coming over again. But, but that was in an age when you had Donald Trump calling for the most legal immigration ever, right? So it's not even that they were drastically reducing all immigration. If you, if you really did curtail immigration, wages would go up considerably. This would be a very pro-family policy as well, by the way. We talk about how can we help the American family? What sort of things can conservatives do? And the libs always just want to have more government-funded pre- preschool or something or daycare. But no, one great way to do it would be drastically reduce immigration. If you did that, wages would go up. Then maybe you wouldn't need both parents working all the time. Maybe then you wouldn't be in a situation where you've got to have your wife work for some man so that she can make enough money so that you can pay some other woman to raise your kid. That would be one great way to do it. And so Sanders sees that and he, he says, look, you need, we need some solidarity here. Well, that's, that's true as well. That's a very conservative principle. I, now Bernie, you know, takes all of this into the socialist direction. So that, that's no good. But when he's just making these little observations, these modest observations about workers, I think, I think conservatives could and probably should get on board with some of that. Now, one way that the Democrats can hold on to their power is, uh, is making new voters, right? So let's say even if you drastically reduced immigration, a lot of immigration is just about bringing new Democrat voters into America because immigrants and especially illegal aliens are overwhelmingly likely to identify with the Democrat party. But let's say if you, if you put immigration aside for a second, how can you get new voters for the Democrats? Well, one way you could do it is let a bunch of prisoners out of the clink. And then uh, I, some of them would have voting rights. Some of them would not. Some of them should not, but have had their voting rights restored. And in any case, a lot of them are not going to see the inside of a jail cell anytime again. Merrick Garland, the attorney general has just announced that, uh, thousands of inmates who were released during COVID because they were afraid of infecting prisoners with, with the Wu flu will never need to go back to prison. We got this here. This is being reported by Reuters. And there, this began, you know, over a year ago now. And uh, all of these guys, this is a major reversal for the department's office of legal counsel, which previously had issued an opinion that said Bureau of Prisons had no legal authority to keep inmates at home once the pandemic emergency had subsided. Well, now the DOJ is saying, nope, never mind. You don't need to go back to prison. This is classic us versus them politics. Democrats think that criminals by and large support them, vote for them when they can, do their bidding, and so they're going to let them out of prison. Revolutionaries always do this. This is the fir- one of the first things that happened during the French Revolution. Storm the Bastille, let the prisoners out of the clink. This happens in all revolutions. Let them out. And you let them out and it increases a little bit of chaos. Chaos breeds opportunity. And the ne'er-do-wells who are, who are in prison are, uh, are 
considered to be helpful for the radical agenda. This is really, really unjust. Okay. Releasing one prisoner is an act of mercy. It can be an act of mercy. This is why there's the pardon power. This is why, so that this is why there's parole. If you release a prisoner or some small number of prisoners in certain very narrow circumstances, that's an act of mercy. That's a good thing. If you release all the prisoners, that's not an act of mercy. That's a, a, a grave injustice. It's a grave injustice to their victims. It's a grave injustice to their future victims. So, uh, frankly, it's a grave injustice to the prisoners themselves because they're not going to be reformed. But it doesn't matter. They think that the prisoners are on their side and so they're going to let them out. And, and it it's, uh, has nothing to do with justice and it has nothing to do with rehabilitation or reform. It's just us versus them. Ronald Reagan had this line. We talked about it last week where he said, uh, well, I don't have any enemies here in America, only opponents, right? Our enemies are overseas. The Soviet Union, those are our enemies. Now today, China, maybe those are our enemies, but here we only have opponents. I don't think the Democrats view it that way. I think they, the Democrats view us as enemies <laughs> most of the time. And I, I think that they're playing a much more serious game of politics than a lot of conservatives are. Speaking of criminals, story about a dreamer. You know the dreamers, those dream, they're all those cute little kids brought over to America through no fault of their own, illegally, but they're dream, they have dreams, you know, and that's why we need to completely ignore all of our laws and completely open our border just so that we could have more dreams here. We don't have enough dreams in America. So one of the dreamers a 26-year-old Koyoami Miguel Ruiz has just been sentenced to 28 years in prison after uh, being found guilty of using social media to entice minors into performing sexual acts and producing pornography in exchange for money. In a statement given to the Daily Wire, Immigration and Customs Enforcement confirmed that Miguel Ruiz first came to the United States as an illegal alien in the late 1990s and was granted deferred action for childhood arrivals. That's DACA. That's the Obama program uh, sometime thereafter. You know, it's just there. That's our strength. Our, the, the, the dreamers and the immigration and all that diversity, that's, that's our strength, right? We wouldn't have nearly as much uh, child pornography if, no, that's not fair, Michael. That's not fair. You're going to, you, what you're going to say, not you, but what the liberals would say is, Michael, come on, that's cheap. A citizen could have done that too. Some American citizens do that. It's not just illegal aliens who entice kids into performing sexual acts and produce pornography in exchange for money and all that. True. You're right. However, this particular crime would not have been committed in the United States if we didn't tolerate illegal immigration. This didn't need to happen. We don't need the illegal immigrants here. They don't help America. They don't help at all. It's nice for them that they get to stay in America. We all probably have some friends who were illegal aliens or who came here as kids or who maybe they were illegal, but then they got put on some kind of path toward, and, and that's nice. It's nice for them. In the individual cases of some friend that we like, I guess that's good. But generally speaking, 
Illegal aliens do not help America. They only hurt America. They only make the country worse. All of these crimes, whether it's a cyber crime like this, whether it's a car accident, whether it's a murder, whether it's a rape, whether it's whatever crime committed by an illegal alien in America did not need to happen because we could have just enforced our border. And it doesn't matter if illegal aliens are statistically more likely or less likely or exactly the same likelihood of committing some crime. They shouldn't be here to begin with. Okay. And so a serious country, serious country that put our nation's interests first, whether we're talking about the American cultural identity, whether we're talking about American workers, whether we're talking about our way of life and our traditions, would not tolerate this kind of stuff, okay? But we are not a serious country really anymore. And so we don't have the integrity of our beliefs. We don't have the integrity of our national symbols. We don't have the integrity of our borders. And without a border, there's no such thing as a country. This should worry any Anyone who likes, I'm not even going to say the most ardent patriot, anyone who just kind of likes being in this country when things are going relatively well. We can't go on like this forever, folks. You can't go on forever having well over 2 million illegal aliens jumping the border every year and, and radicals in the country tearing down our statues and ripping down all of our traditions and all of our social mores. You can't, that can't go on forever. It can't even go on for very long. We don't, we don't even know what men and women are any, anymore. Okay. Speaking of weird sex stuff, there, there is an article that came out yesterday that I was pretty convinced was the Babylon Bee. And, but it's not, it's not the Babylon Bee. This, this article came from the Texas Tribune. Left out of the conversation, transgender Texans feel the impact of state's restrictive abortion law. The transgenders are left out of the conversation now that they can't kill their kids. The men, the transgender men cannot get abortions. While Texas's controversial abortion law strictly refers to women in its phrasing, it also limits access to the procedure for transgender and non-binary people who are able to become pregnant. It refers to women in the, in the law because there are only men and women and transgender and non-binary are just completely made up categories. But further, by the way, I'm not sure if you've noticed this about non-binary, but the the idea of non-binary is that, is that people should not just be put in one of two categories, right? That's why. So it shouldn't be men or woman. It should just, it should be non-binary. But the problem with, with that line of thinking is that some people are non-binary and other people are binary. Meaning that you have a new binary. There's no, you can't escape the binary. There is, there's this new binary, which is binary and non-binary. And then within the binary, there's men and women. And then within the non-binary, there are a bunch of, there are a bunch of different confused things. I remember last year, about 18 months ago, during the Democrat presidential nomination contest. Julian Castro, not the strongest candidate for president. He was trying to make his splash. He was trying to run to the left of everybody else. He came out on a stage and he called for abortion rights 
for men. I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. And, you know, what that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have the right to exercise that right to choose. And so I absolutely would cover the right to have an abortion. We all laughed at this a year and a half ago, in particular because he said a trans female, which actually, a trans female is a dude who gets some plastic surgery to look more like a woman. So in that case, you know, a dude can, he doesn't have a uterus. He can't get an abortion anyway. He can't, he can't conceive or give birth. Uh, so we all, we all made fun of that. No one took it seriously. And now, now it is being taken seriously. Okay. And we all, we thought it was the craziest thing we ever heard. Now it is being taken seriously. And of course it is. When Julian Castro called for abortion rights for men, and everyone laughed. We all should have known that it was going to it's, it was going to become a more mainstream concept. We should, and so you see this article now in the Texas Tribune talking about it. And it's it, you're going to hear within five to ten years, you're going to hear regular, ordinary conversations about transgender abortion, how trans men need to have the right to kill babies, and you're probably going to hear some squishy Republican say, "Look, okay, I." So I support abortion rights for uh, women and transgender men and non-binary people, but I draw the line at pansexuals, right? Because that's the thing that the Republicans always do is they just defend whatever Democrats defended 18 months ago. So it's good. You're going to end up at the point. Okay, listen, I support, look, I of course believe that marriage is between three men, a goat, and an alien, okay? But I think that when you add a dog into the picture, that's too much, all right? That's where I draw the line, okay? So you're, this, because that's the, that's the logic of this. The logic that the libs are foisting on us, that a lot of squishes have accepted, is that men and women are not distinct categories, that men can be women, women can be men. There's really no such thing as men and women, and there are 54 genders in addition to men and women, at least, uh, also, so you, you, you don't, it doesn't mean anything to say that only women can have abortions. Well, if that's true, then yeah, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about the non-binary and the trans abortions and, and this, that, and the other thing. Now, speaking of the LGB community, Nancy Pelosi was just giving a, uh, a press conference in San Francisco and a member of the LGB community uh, walked up and uh, started screaming the LGB slogan, let's go Brandon. This is, this is it. So in any case, Mark, dis- Mark Dishonet. Nancy Pelosi, say whatever you will about her. She is a real pro. So she's there. She's giving her talk. You're this great conservative guy. Let's go, Brandon. Woo! Yeah, let's go. So uh, he does that, and she gets off the stage as quickly as she can. She's talking. She's making jokes. And then she hears that. She goes, okay, yep, and here's the guy. Okay, here you go. Thanks. Why? She gets off stage ASAP because she doesn't want to be associated with the protester. She also doesn't want to be associated with Biden. Nancy Pelosi's approval rating among her constituents is much higher than Joe Biden's approval rating nationwide. Joe Biden is not having a very successful presidency. 
And so I think she, much like Joe Manchin, is just thinking, get me out of here. I don't, I don't need to be a part of this. I don't want to be lumped in. They're not even, the protesters not even going after me. It's not F Pelosi, right? It's let's go Brandon or F Joe Biden. Okay, good. Deal with it. I don't, don't lump me in with this man. And I think you are going to see a lot of Democrats starting to jump ship, especially as 2022 comes around, because uh, thus far, uh, the, the political agenda of the, of the Brandon administration has not been popular. And so the best they've got now, the best the Democrats can voice on Republicans is to just say that we're mean, we want the country to fail. Classic us versus them politics. We delivered because we stayed focused on what the American people care about and did the work. That's exactly what's happening here. Meanwhile, Republicans are actively seeking to hurt the pandemic response, uh, explicitly rooting for uh, inflation uh, to get worse. And so they are are blocking uh, what we're trying to do for the American people, which is bringing down the cost and doing the work on behalf of the American people. Yes, Republicans are rooting for inflation to get worse. That, that's it. You got it. The Democrat administration screws up everything, screws up the economy, screws up prices and inflation, screws up foreign policy, screws up the energy industry, screws up everything. And when asked about this, the best answer they've got is, yeah, and Republicans are happy about it. Yeah, we screwed up everything. And yeah, Republicans, they're, they're happy that we screwed it all up. Oh, okay. I guess she's a, she's a mind reader. A mind reader and, and a mind reader who doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I guess it's true that we're happy that the Biden administration is not succeeding at what they're trying to do because what they're trying to do is really bad. But no, we're not happy when they screw up the whole country. We've told them not to do it. We've told them how to avoid doing it. And they keep trying to make it worse. Like on inflation, they keep just trying to spend a bazillion dollars, like this $2 trillion build back broke bill that they were pushing. And then we said no. So no, I don't, I don't think we are rooting for that. Uh, but this is, this is the last desperate refuge of, of an administration that has just completely failed, failed so much that even some of their own guys are trying to jump, jump course. You know, speaking of clairvoyance or maybe just plain luck, there's a great story I want to get to before we go, which is, uh, this is from, uh, uh, the Boston Globe, a drawing, just a little drawing sold at an estate sale for 30 bucks. It may and it actually have turned out to be a drawing by a Renaissance master worth $50 million. Yes, this is true. Someone shows up, say, oh, that's kind of a nice, nice drawing. Okay, here's my 30 bucks, whatever. Now you're worth $50 million. The, the British Museum is looking into it now. And so whoever picked this up in Massachusetts is probably sitting pretty. The reason I bring up the story is not just because it's a fun, silly story. I think it's a good representation of our culture. I think it's a good representation of where we are right now. We don't know what we've got. We don't know what we are intentionally forgetting, what we are destroying. We have a great cultural inheritance here in the West. It's the greatest civilization 
ever in the history of the world, not even close. Beautiful, gorgeous, glorious. We can still see a little bit of it around us, but we are doing everything we can to destroy it and denigrate it and erase it and knock it down. But it's really valuable, folks. It's really valuable. And we're not, we're no longer even able to, to recognize that. So when we, if we were to come across the $50 million work of art in the estate sale, would we know it? No, we probably wouldn't, but we should. <clears throat> we should. All right. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. I'm going to get my raspy voice feeling a little more mellifluous for tomorrow and I'll see you then. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, New York Magazine published a celebratory profile about a woman who violently mutilated her own body, and the story only gets worse from there. Also, Joe Biden addresses the nation about the threat of the extremely mild Omnicorn variant. Bill Gates moves the goalposts on vaccines in hopes that nobody notices. And the woman who created Sex in the City has regrets about her lifestyle choices, and then apparently regrets expressing those regrets. And a Lutheran pastor delivers a homily in drag. And then in our daily cancellation, we, we will ask and answer an important question. What are the worst Christmas songs and movies? The answers may surprise you. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.